Uh, so we're starting a new series, a little three-weeker, just for the month of December. We only have three, Sunday, three Sundays where we're worshiping, worshiping together in December because it's, a, as Tracy said, it's a year where Christmas falls on a Sunday. So we really debated, in term, you know, should we do a Christmas Eve service on Saturday and a service on Sunday morning? And, uh, and we just felt like, no, let's just do Christmas Eve. We'll give you a little video option on Sunday morning for those who want it instead of having everybody get up and have to, having to decide what you want to do with your tradition. So it's gonna, that means it's going to be kind of a short, a short Sunday schedule for, uh, for December. And then there's no more Sundays after the 18th for us then, essentially. So just make sure you're aware of that. And, uh, and let's, let's make the most of these next few weeks. And then Christmas Eve is going to be awesome. So be invitational. All right. So we're talking about expecting Jesus. Today what we're going to do, uh, by the way, I think that's a really kind of a cool series uh, title because what to expect when you're expecting. We have a lot, of, a lot of young families, a lot of kids, a lot of newborns, a lot of uh, pregnant ladies. And we're going to talk about expecting Jesus. And today we're going we're gonna to sort of trace the storyline of Jesus, real quickly, we're going to trace the storyline of Jesus through the Bible, and, and we're going to see some real unexpected things along the journey. Now, how many of you sometimes, how many of you have ever gone on a journey, got, maybe you've gone on vacation, and you have these high expectations for vacation, and then it fell flat a little bit? Raise your hand, anybody, where you, where you had expectations, and you go away, and just doesn't quite match what you were expecting. Well, some of you, you might know a couple weeks ago we were here and we, I preached the first service and then we had, to run, we had to run off because we were going to Europe. This was a trip that we had planned a couple years ago, right before COVID. Uh, our daughter was graduating from college the same year our son was graduating from high school. It was a perfect storm. And so we said, we're going we're gonna to do this big Europe trip, kind of a once in a lifetime trip that we'd saved for years for. And then COVID hit. How many of you had your plans disrupted by COVID? So this was like a, a, a trip years in the making that we finally got to take. And so we took a couple of pictures. I thought maybe you'd, you'd like to see some of those pictures. So we went, yeah, you guys are like, yes, this is really exciting. We went to London. There's our son in the background. We see the London Tower, the London Bridge. That was cool. Then we, we of course, we saw Big Ben. You had to see Big Ben. And, and that, I think that was St. Paul's Cathedral. And then we, we saw Buckingham Palace, and we get there, we get to the palace, and there's just this weird, you could see some people in the little, it's not a huge crowd, but a little crowd in the back, but there were fences there, you couldn't really get any closer than that. We're like, what is going on? We had been there no more than five minutes, and all of a sudden, a carriage comes up on all this fanfare, and it is the king and Camilla, and the carriage behind them was, you would guess, William and Kate. And we're like, what in the world is this? So literally, we'd been there for five minutes, and we see it. A cab driver told us later on, he said, there are people who have lived in England their whole life who have never seen that. And you saw it in five minutes. And that is just living right. I don't know if there's any other explanation. So then we went to Rome. And the reason we went to Rome is because Tracy's dream, her dream is, besides the cottage, her dream has always been to sit in, in Italy and have Italian food in Italy, right? Anyone else have that dream? Some of you might have that dream. Yeah, people, some of you, I see hands. The revival's breaking out. So 
we, t- we went to Rome for a couple of days, and that was cool. So we got to see the Colosseum, and we saw the Forum, which was awesome. It was a real highlight. And, of course, we had to go see the Sistine Chapel on the left. Uh, no pictures are allowed, so that was a quick one. And then <laughs> on the right, we, in, in Rome, we saw the, this prison where the legend says both Peter and Paul were incarcerated. Personally, I don't believe it, but whatever. We took a picture there, and we paid the money to go check it out. And so we did all of those things, and yes, we did. This is, what, this is why I'm telling all this story. We, we sat down in Rome for a couple of days in Rome, and we ate food at the cafes. And this, okay, all that, all that journey to tell you, we were a little disappointed we had, we had expected to go there and to be blown out of the water. Now, look, we might have gone to the wrong places. We kept, you know, people told us, don't go to places where they laminate the menus. Okay, whatever. Like, don't go to places where they're, try, they're out there trying to get you to come in. Like, those are the tourist places. You need to go to the places where they don't speak any English. Where they, so we're trying to find all the right places. And I'm not saying, look, I don't want you to feel like I'm that kind of a guy. But I'm just telling you that we, after two days of, of eating in Rome, two, three days of eating in Italy, all these things that we'd been waiting for for so long, it just didn't quite meet our expectations. Like our expectations, were, and maybe that was a problem, our expectations were way up here, and it was okay, a couple meals were, were great, but after like three days of eating Pasta and bruschetta and pizza, which that's about it, right? Now, I don't mean to offend you. Some of you, you talk to me afterwards. Some of you are getting really offended. You're going to leave the church. But I'm just trying to be honest with you that after three days, we're just like, have you guys ever heard of a burrito? Like, could we just get a burrito in, in Italy? Some of you are really not liking this. Um. Some, talking about missed expectations, you expected something different today in the sermon. But all of that to say that sometimes your journey brings you to a place and it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't quite match what you expected. And what we're going to do today is we want to we take a look at the storyline of Jesus. Matthew, open up Matthew chapter 1. It starts with the with genealogy of Jesus. And if you trace that genealogy, Luke has a genealogy as well. If you trace some of those names in the genealogy, that's what we're going to do today. And we got, we're, going to, we're going to go through it really quick. Because I want to show you some of the ways that the Jewish people, they had this expectation about the Messiah. They had this expectation that the Messiah would be a certain kind of guy coming from a certain kind of lineage. In fact, in my Bible reading just yesterday, it's interesting, just yesterday I was reading from John chapter 7, verse 27, and it says this, the people, this is, this is with adult Jesus during his ministry, they were like, could he possibly be the Messiah? Could this Jesus guy possibly be the Messiah? And look at what it says in verse 27, John seven twenty-seven. But how could he be? For we know where this man comes from. He comes from Nazareth. But they, this is interesting, I never noticed this before, but when the Messiah comes, he will simply appear. No one will know where he comes from. Isn't that interesting? John 7, look it up for yourself later. So there are all these different expectations about where Jesus would come from. Apparently some people even thought he was just going to appear like a full-grown man. 
He was just going to drop from the clouds, and he was just going to be, here is the Messiah. But, that, but when you open the Gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke, you see that that's not how it happened. Actually, Jesus comes from a line, and Jesus comes, he's born of, we, we know, of course, he's born of Mary, the Virgin Mary, but Matthew and Luke and the Gospels, they trace back his lineage, and that's what we're going to do today, and we're going to show you what you should have been expecting if you were really paying attention reading the Bible all these years. So the, it turns out the ancestry line of Jesus shows us the storyline of the whole Bible because the Bible, the whole Bible, is just about Jesus. The, the, this whole Bible, 66 books of the Bible, it's about one person. His name is Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus from beginning to end. And I just want to show you just real quick. Again, we're going to go fast. It, don't try to write all this down. There's no way you're going to be able to write all this down. Genesis 3.15. That's a problem. Je- okay, here we go. Genesis 3.15. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. This is called the Proto-Evangelion. That means the first mention of the gospel in the Bible is in the third chapter. Genesis 3.15. God says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent he speak- who represents Satan. He's speaking to Satan, saying, I'm going to cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and that offspring ultimately is Jesus, and he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. So what God is saying to Satan is, you're going to strike at his heel. He's talking about the cross. You're going to strike at his heel, at Jesus' heel, but Jesus is going to strike at your head. He's going to crush your head. I love that. The first mention of the gospel is right there in Genesis 3, 15. And so we see Adam. And then Abraham, Genesis 12, 2 and 3, I'll make you into a great nation. God is speaking to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. What is he talking about? God is talking to Abraham, Father Abraham, who had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. <laughs> he's talking to Abraham, and he's talking about the Jewish nation. This morning we watched, we were watching Meet the Press, and Benjamin Netanyahu was on there being interviewed. It's interesting. He was talking about how for over 3,500 years the Jewish people have been oppressed. And it's, it's true. And this right here, this is about, it's about more than the Jewish nation. This is about Jesus, this promise. He's, he's saying the whole world is going to be blessed through your seed, your offspring. The whole world is going to be blessed. Now that was talking about us. Because unless you're Jewish, Jewish, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. I'm not Jew, I don't have Jewish descent. So this passage is a promise about Jesus and his blessing on me that that through the work of Jesus that he would open up a way for people who aren't Jewish, the special people of God from the Old Testament, that we would be able to have a way to have a relationship with God, even if you're not Jewish. See, for so many years, the, the, the Jewish people thought that they were so special and that God only wanted a relationship with them and then enter Jesus, and Jesus ends up being a blessing on everyone, not just the Jewish nation. So it's not just a national pride thing. This is for 
everybody, and this is what we see in this, in, in this verse, Genesis 12, 2 and 3. And then fast forward all the way to the time of David. We're just taking a quick little tour, just like we did in London and Rome. We just did a quick little tour. We weren't there for very long. We just quick little tour. That's what we're doing with Scripture here, 2 Samuel 7. He says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, God is speaking to David, I'll raise up your offspring after you. Notice that word offspring is in most of these verses. It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. I'm going to raise up an offspring after you who's going to come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So it turns out from Adam to Abraham to David, we see that Jesus is coming as prophet, priest, and king, and he's fulfilling every prophecy in the Old Testament about this, this thing to expect, that we could expect this Messiah. This is what they called him. We could expect this Messiah. And yet, when Jesus showed up, nobody exactly knew what to expect. There was, there was a lot of speculation, like I read in John 7, that maybe he's just going to appear out of nowhere. No, he's not going to appear out of nowhere. He's coming from the seed of a woman, Mary. And so what we realize from that is that God invites sinners to be a part of his story. Look, if Jesus is going to come to the earth through a woman, Mary, then we can trace his ancestry, which is exactly what Matthew and Luke are doing in their Gospels. We can trace his ancestry through all of these people. And here's the thing about all these people. They're imperfect. If, if Jesus was going to come and take on flesh, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, is that God took on flesh. The second person of the Trinity took on flesh 2,000 years ago. He added to his nature a fleshly nature. He took on human form. This is, what, this is the beauty of what Christmas is all about. He took on human form. Then what that means is he, he had to do it through imperfect people because there were no perfect people that he could have come through. Everyone we see as we read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, every single character that we see in the story has some kind of a blemish, some of them really bad. Again, let's just take a few examples. Noah. Noah is a guy that you're like, oh wait, Noah was one of the good ones, right? Because, because it, the world was terrible. Before the flood, like the world had gone to hell in a handbasket and God said, I'm so, I'm so bummed out about this. I just want to destroy everything with a flood. But he said, but there's this one righteous guy, Noah. And so he, he let Noah build the ark and you know that whole story, right? So Noah builds the ark. They get saved from the flood. And you think now, okay, good, here, emerging from the ark is Noah and his, and his sons and their, and, their, and their wives. And you're thinking, okay, good, good. We, we hit the reset button. And it's going to be better now. Like, we're going to, we started over and sin's not going to be in the picture anymore. And we didn't even get past Noah before we see this crazy sinning. It says, after the flood, he began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. And one day he drank some wine and he that he had made and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. And then there were some other bad things that happened connected to that. Like really bad things. That you'd be like, I thought he was a good guy. I thought he was one of the righteous ones. And again, just, it goes to show that, that there's no 
There's no getting around sinful humanity if that if Jesus was going to come and take on flesh through the lineage from anyone in the story of the Bible, it was going to include sinners because we're all sinners. Or how about Abraham? Abraham, I mean, here's this guy that it says that he says to his wife, hey, look, they're coming into Egypt. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, hey, she's really hot. My translation. So let's kill him and we can have her. And so, so here's what Abraham says. So would you tell them that you're my sister? Husbands, I don't recommend this, by the way. Would you just tell them that you're my sister and then they'll spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you? And this is one of the good guys. This is a guy who's in the lineage of Christ. And it turns out that his son Isaac does the exact same thing. The sins of the father are visited upon the son. Literally, it's almost the exact same thing that his son Isaac does. And of course, you know then, Jake, so you got Abraham, and these are like the patriarchs of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and, and now Jacob. And now, ja you, you know, Jacob, the dirt on Jacob, there's plenty of dirt, but Jacob, Jacob goes and says to his dad, hey, it's Esau, your firstborn son, but he wasn't, it was Jacob. But his dad was blind, he couldn't see. It came to that time in his life when, when the father was gonna give this blessing on, on his sons, and he had these two twins, and he wanted to bless the older one because that's how it's supposed to work. And so, and Jacob, with the help of his mom, goes in there and deceives his dad and steals the blessing. I mean, this is all for a whole different sermon. I'm just trying to show you like how broken and sinful these people are. These are the people in the lineage of Jesus. These are the people in the family line of Christ. This is who we're looking at. What's the point? God invites sinners to be a part of his story. God invites sinners to be a part of his story. And we just one more, we can't leave David out. David, oh my gosh, David. David, it says in 2 Samuel 11, David, King David, wrote a letter to Joab and he gave it to, to Uriah to deliver. Now the reason for all of this is because while Uriah, who was one of David's mighty men, is out there fighting a battle for David, David's at home bored, and he catches a glimpse of Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, out across, across the way, and he sees her, and he says, I like her. And so he goes, and, and the rest of the story is they end up having a kid together, or they, he ends up getting Bathsheba pregnant. He's like, oh, crud, I gotta cover this up. So he sends, he sends for Uriah, he sends for Uriah to come home from the battle battlefield to be with his wife so that maybe, maybe Uriah would think it was his kid, not David's. You see what's going on here? Do you see how like brutal this is? Uriah is too good of a guy. By the way, Uriah is not in the lineage of Jesus. But he's a really good guy. He's one you'd think maybe should be. Uriah was like, I can't do that when my soldiers are on the field. And so he slept on the porch. He wouldn't even sleep in the same bed with his wife. And so David's like, well, that plan didn't work. So now he says, he sends a letter to Joab. He says, hey, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest and then pull back so that he'll be killed. Like, what gives, David? And yet David is a guy later on, it says David is a man after God's own heart. There's something about David, as imperfect as he was, there's something about David. One of the things that David did well, by the way, when he sinned is he admitted it. 
and he humbled himself before God. That's a good lesson for all of us. But the, the point is all these broken people, all these people who, who you would think if, if I was writing the storyline of Jesus for all to see, you'd think that maybe, maybe you would include some good guys in the story. But see, there are no good guys because the Bible says that we're all sinners, we're all broken. And what I love about Scripture and what I love about even the genealogy of Jesus is that God wasn't gonna cover it up. God wasn't gonna hide it. He was gonna say, this is just how it is, and that's okay. There's a reason he did that is because he wants us to be a part of the story. He wants us to know that Jesus came for sinners. And so he was born through sinners. And really the point is that people get to join the family of God because Jesus became a man. That's, that's what we're celebrating at Christmas time is that we can become a part of the family of God because Jesus became a man, because he took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, the word, talking about Jesus, already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. And so God, he didn't just appear like, like the, some of the people thought in John 7, 7, he was just gonna appear, come out of the clouds. God could have done that, I guess, if he wanted to. He could have just written in the clouds, I love you. I want you to be part of my family. That's not how he did it. No, he did this messy thing. And, and God became a man and made his dwelling among us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Unexpected. I don't think people expected that that's how it was gonna work, but that's exactly how it worked. And so John 1 says this, all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human, talking about Jesus, and he made his home among us, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only son. And it was unexpected. But this is what Jesus did. I left out one picture from our trip. And I gotta show you this one last picture. Because even, even though the food disappointed, again, I'm sorry if you're Italian, the food disappointed a little bit. When we asked AJ what his favorite moment I mean, the, Colise the Colosseum, the Forum, the, the prison where Peter and Paul were, and all this crazy stuff. What was his fa favorite moment? It was this. It was the first moment. I had my phone out for it. We hadn't seen him in like two and a half months. He hadn't seen us. He's a mama's boy. His favorite part was his hug with his mom. See, here's the thing. This is, this is the point is, this is, it's about the, the whole journey, it turns out. The journey for us and, and the journey that we just took in the Bible, the whole journey, the whole journey is not about the tourist places. It's not about the food. It's not about all that. It's not about the bells and whistles that you might think religion's all about. The whole point of our trip and the whole point of of our trip through scripture is it's all about family, that God wants us to be a part of his family. That he invites you to be a part of his family. All the others, whatever your expectation is, whatever your expectation is about religion, 
whatever your expectation is about church, even what your expectation is about Christmas, it all, from God's point of view, this whole thing, his coming to earth, this whole thing was about inviting you into his family. It's all about the relationship. That's what it's about. That's what Christmas is about. That's what this whole series is gonna be about. And I wanna invite you, if you've, never, if you've never seen it like that, I want to invite you to have a relationship with Jesus. That's who we should be expecting here, a relational God who loves us and cares about us and would go to these incredible lengths to make a way for us to know who he is. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would help us to understand your message. God, to understand the point of this time of year. Lord, that all the, all the bells and whistles, all the religion, all the religion, and the way that so many times religions have got it wrong. God, that when we strip all of it away, it's about being born into your family. It's about the embrace with you. It's about relationship with you, and you made all of it possible. Jesus, because of what you did at the cross. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.